0: Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers.
1: Turn, hand off the middle, hit the backfield and drill. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship.
0: Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Right three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference
1: champions. Docs and got it!
0: Thunderdogs, and they one! Exclamation point, the breaks. now your hosts klin contributor cole Stukenholz and sports director caleb henry
2: good saturday morning welcome to another edition of the klin husker hour i am here at my home caleb is there in the studio hello hello and we are ready to rock and roll kenny's got us on the facebook live at klin huskers uh, we've got a solid show for you this evening this morning i don't know why wow, i said this, evening.
1: What, never in this the in the wor- evening what are you even doing <laughs> like it's one it is one thing when jack mitchell goes and hosts something that's not part of the morning show and he'll like when we'd fill in on drive time lincoln or something um or we're out at an event he's like how are you guys doing this morning and we're like yeah. dude it has not been morning for 12 hours what what are you doing because you don't host an evening show <laughs> So I'll
2: tell you why this evening, there's a, uh, there's a college basketball game taking place between Duke and North Carolina. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to watch with my two friends that, uh, one is a Duke fan and one is a North Carolina fan. And so I was thinking ahead to the evening because <laughs> that is going to be an epic show of emotion from both of those guys. Um, known them for about, I don't know, 10, 15 years yeah. and just get together around college basketball time, basically. But uh, that that's going to be fun. And, and it got me thinking, um, and we'll have Evan Bland joining us as well later on to talk football and baseball. Uh, last week of spring coming up uh, before the spring game, as well as uh, baseball getting another win on a Friday night last night. We'll see if they can win the series this time uh, as they're out in Columbus, Ohio, taking on the Buckeyes. Uh, but it got me thinking, what would be the equivalent level matchup on on what equivalent level stage for a Nebraska sporting event? I mean, we've seen Nebraska volleyball go up against Texas, uh, go up against uh, Wisconsin now as a mm-hmm. Big Ten rival right. uh, in the NCAA tournament, in the Final Four, in the finals. Uh, as as Wisconsin took them down to the finals this year, what would be uh, a Nebraska sporting equivalent of getting a Duke North Carolina matchup in the Final Four?
1: That one. That yeah, that that that's an easy one. It would be football against Texas in a New Year New Year six bowl. You would wanna say college football playoff, but a New Year's six bowl. Something mm-hmm. where you are in the the prime time, you are the highlight. Um if they expand the playoff, obviously yes, be be a playoff game would be the answer there. But it's gotta be Nebraska, Texas football. Um Right now we're playing Oklahoma and there's just there's not that same level of animosity. Uh, there's just been enough time. But for some reason, for some reason, with the same amount of time between that, you, that you've had off from leaving the Big 12 Conference, there is something about Texas that it would have to be, for me, Nebraska-Texas football in a game that really matters with both teams in the top ten. Um, now, like you said, we saw volleyball go down to Austin. That got a bunch of run. That yes. got a t- that like really good ratings. Um, we were very happy to carry that here in Broadcast House. Uh, people tuned in for that one. People were locked in. And of course, when Nebraska wins, it makes it even better. Um, yeah. But to me, there's not even ne- even Nebraska Wisconsin volleyball is not quite to that level. Um, Nebraska. Anywhere that you're going to see something that's not a regular season game is not to that same level of what you would get for a postseason. So you can't so you can't even include like a Nebraska Iowa football game unless there was an expanded playoff and suddenly right. they're in a semifinal. Um not even Nebraska Wisconsin, just none of those at this current point line up in the same way that a Nebraska Texas could. Football yeah, on I- the football side.
2: Right, right, yeah, and and yeah, football wise, uh, yeah, New Year's six, you know, expanded playoff, you meet a, a Big Ten rival like an Iowa or Wisconsin in the playoff. Um, the, the Texas matchup certainly would would get people going. Uh, I think if if Nebraska and Missouri both were in a in a New Year's six against each other in a playoff against each other, there's I, I've, I've been to a handful of road football games in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, Missouri is by far the worst. Uh, atmosphere, fan base, etc., cetera, for a Nebraska <laughs> fan to be in. Uh, and I went back and did it again for some reason. So that was, you know, That's shame on you. me, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that would be fun, too. Uh, what I was also thinking of, if, if Nebraska basketball ever got this thing cooking, what about a Nebraska-Iowa Big Ten tournament championship game? That would be pretty. That would be pretty up there, right? Especially if Nebraska still hadn't gotten back to that point since the nineteen ninety four win uh-huh. uh, in terms of winning that tournament championship, and the Nebraska Iowa deal with you know with the Francon meter and and if Fred Hoiberg is still around and and he's obviously a, a native son of the state of Iowa and was an Iowa State guy, mm-hmm. uh, you you could see that ratchet up a little bit to that level too. But right. obviously the the football side of it. Uh, is is kind of what gets you. Um, I want to see a College World Series matchup between Nebraska and Arkansas, led by Dave Van Horn, too. Ooh, um, because you had you had that matchup last year in that super regional, regional, and, or yeah, the, the regional. Right, it felt like a super regional. <laughs> um, but but that was that was really up there. They played three times. Uh, you had it tied into the eighth inning in the deciding game of that regional. And uh, Arkansas being the number one seed, Nebraska feeling slight. I mean, you have all those storylines. You have the Dave Van Horn storyline, obviously. Uh, but if Nebraska got back to the College World Series and had a chance to take on the Hogs, that would be the toughest ticket to get in, in Omaha in a long time. Mm. Uh, so there, the, that Duke North Carolina thing that's tonight. Uh, I, I don't know if I have a better setup than most people in the state of Nebraska than sitting between a Duke and a North Carolina fan. Uh, And they've been going back and forth on the texts all week. Um, Not safe for work, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be epic. Uh, Hopefully the game lives up to the hype. Uh, I was not really all in on the coach K farewell tour, but I am definitely all in on the final four matchup tonight.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you've got, uh, they'll meet for the championship on, uh, on Monday and you've got tomorrow's women's championship, South Carolina against UConn. Those two knocked off uh, Louisville and Stanford last night in the women's final four. But yeah, that's yeah. Um, just think about the number of eyes that were on Nebraska, Iowa women's basketball in the conference semifinals. Right. Uh, that broke records. That, that, yeah. that was the most watched game um, for, uh, for Big Ten women's basketball. So. If you take that, and it is what it is, that, that people just, there's more eyeballs end up being on the men's game. Um, and if you had a Nebraska-Iowa Big Ten title game, yeah, I could see that for men's basketball, that, that being really well watched. I don't think that's going to get anywhere close to the Duke North Carolina. Um, right. that, that That's why I think the only thing that could get close, may, maybe a little bit of Nebraska-Arkansas in the College World Series, it would have to be in the championship, but even then, you just have former coach as the connection there and getting hosed and going to a regional. To me, there's not enough build-up in the same way that a Nebraska-Texas football with kind of championship-type uh, results on the line.
2: Yeah, I, I'm obviously the the appeal of football is, is going to r- ratchet that up and yeah, the, the championship series, boy, that'd be something just to get there with Arkansas, regardless who it is, you know. Uh, but yeah, it the 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 level of animosity definitely needs to be there. And even though I think the level of animosity between Nebraska and Texas is is definitely on the high side and it's it's growing every year, man, Texas has some real staying power. It's it's impressive. Like you you get you mentioned Texas, someone someone throws the little horns down. I mean, that that gets people going here in this state. And, and, you know, it's okay. I don't mind that. There's nothing wrong with that. It
1: it doesn't even have to be someone we care about. It could be Texas State baseball on a midweek game. And their pitcher comes off, throws the horns down, and everyone in Nebraska is like, well, I got to retweet that. I I, got to reshare that. That's something that I very feel. I'm very uh, strong in my opinion about that's our guy now. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, that guy's a legend in the state of nebraska the state of oklahoma the state of arkansas there's just i don't know texas they're they're just uh they're a uniter that's what they are they're a uniter
1: <laughs> at the um, end of the day yes <laughs> yeah
2: yeah so so yeah there the, that duke north carolina game that's the second game of tonight you're going to be uh seeing kansas villanova first still uh, in a, that the, final four
1: i mean another good matchup there uh, yeah so that, so you you talk a lot about. Um, Nebraska, and and the way we're able to make this Final Four somewhat about Nebraska, is what you have are true, true blue bloods, um, at least for three of the four, and then your fourth being Villanova, who's had possibly the best last five years of the foursome. We have three national championships, and two of them in the last half decade. Yeah, Yeah. so you've got Villanova might not be they're, they're not that blue blue blood that the other three are on but if they're not they are that tier immediately after and they've got the most recent success of the group um so you you have got the the bigs of the bigs there whereas when we talk blue bloods for football nebraska's still there even without the recent success if nebraska was suddenly in the college football playoff the Let's just say this next year. That's not drinking Kool-Aid. That's not saying it's going to happen. Um, But just playing out the scenario, if Nebraska was all of a sudden in the college football playoff this next year, it would be, oh, Blue Blood returns to the playoff. Blue Blood returns to a championship contender. Because it doesn't matter how far out Nebraska gets, you can't take away 100 years of history and what Nebraska has done. You can't take away that 50-year run that Nebraska had.
2: Right. Yeah. And, and even more specifically, the, the 40 years between Devaney and Osborne. Yes. Um, of, of the 60 or the, yeah, the 60s through the, you know, mid 90s. And yeah, it, the, the way that the, the final four kind of came together after all of the ridiculousness, St. Peter's to the Elite Eight, a 15 seed. Uh, you had, uh, some other upsets with Miami and Iowa State as a 10 11 matchup in the Sweet 16. Uh, definitely unexpected down there. And, and the Big Ten, I mean, it it, it. it. We can bring that up again. The way the Big Ten struggled, uh-huh. we were, we were just after the first round last week when we did this show. So the second round had yet to happen. Uh, the Big Ten had a successful first round. Second round did not go so well. They only got two teams to the Sweet Sixteen, mm-hmm. and then both Michigan and Purdue bowed out. Uh, Purdue, obviously, to St. Peter's uh, in the first time a 15 seed had beaten uh, a three seed to won a Sweet Sixteen game, and. Big 10 basketball is going to continue to – I don't know if it'll affect them like it would like Big 10 baseball in that if you – I mean, because they're going to have those non-conference matchups. Yeah. So their their computer numbers are all, are still going to be the same if you win those non-conference matchups. It's not to say the Big 10 was a bad conference. They just had bad performances when it mattered most. Uh, I mean, the SEC did worse yeah. if you want to look at it that way too. They had six teams in compared to the Big 10's nine but they only got one to the sweet 16 and they had two twos and a three, the big 10. I think they had what three, two, three seeds and a four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Iowa was also a five and, and missed out on the, on the, their first round win. So six and one half dozen, the other, both of them, I'm, I'm sure would, would prefer to have those, those tournament runs back. Uh, but big 10 basketball is, is on. It's not a, it's not a trend. It's just two straight years. Uh but they got to have some success in the tournament again on the level of getting to a Final Four, or getting to a championship game mm-hmm. uh, to kind of wash the, the last two years' taste out of their mouth.
1: And it's hard to win in the tournament. Um, that That's yeah. why you see some of those runs, because it's just one game and you're out. It's not a big sample size um, yeah. for one specific team. You can have um, – if Chucky Hepburn doesn't get hurt, I, I think Wisconsin wins their game. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that you can point to. Um But the way the Big Ten is constructed to where you do have very talented guards and wings, um, but you have to have a big man to be successful in the Big Ten. What makes you successful in the ACC, in the Big 12, in the Big East? You can have a big man, but you are so dominant on guards and wings, and that's what wins in the tournament. Guards and wings win in the tournament. You have to have a big man that can at least move some guys around and, and and hold their own a la Derek walker Derek walker is built more for the tournament than a lot of the other guys in the big 10 because he knows what his role would be um and it's awesome that he's coming back uh we've got him coming back sam Highby on the women's side we'll get into all of that uh but cole i think i don't know i don't have a clock over here should we take our break
2: yeah, I think that'd not be a good time for the break. And and yeah, you you mentioned Derek Walker, and and look, he's he, he's a big man in the sense that you you know you can play uh, a little bit through him, but the offense doesn't run through him all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So he he would be of that example of you know somebody that you can win with in the tournament. Um, that's not to say that Nebraska is going to be in the tournament, but Derek Walker's coming back. We are going to talk more about that when we return. Uh, we've got some baseball to get to the Huskers victorious last night on a Friday night. Thanks in large part to Shea Shanneman again. Uh, and we've got spring football to get to. We've got one more week before the spring game next Saturday. Uh, that's all coming up. Evan Bland from the World Herald as well stops by uh, right after this here on the KLA and Husker Hour.
0: Inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Following along here on your Saturday morning. This is the KLIN
2: Husker Hour. I'm Cole. We've got Caleb and Kenny Long and joining us now from the Omaha World Herald is Evan Bland, covers baseball and football and uh, just about everything else there for the World Herald. Uh, Evan, thanks for joining us. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, no problem guys. Happy Saturday. Sun's out. No complaints here. Yeah, sun's out. They were able to get that game in after there was apparently some uh, some snowflakes earlier in, on in the day in Columbus, Ohio. So uh, that's good. We're we're getting closer to some spring weather in Big Ten country, uh, and, and Nebraska baseball maybe hopefully getting closer to figuring this thing out. They got the Friday night win over Ohio State last night, uh, and Shea Shannon moved into that Friday spot uh, with Cody Frank sliding to Saturday. Uh, he does extremely well. Goes six and a third. Six hits, just one run with eight strikeouts. Uh, the the hitting I want to get to, but let's start with the pitching and, and let's start with Shea Shanneman. How big has he been for Will Bolt's squad in terms of stabilizing the rotation uh with, with Kyle Perry's absence and, and trying to figure out uh, the rest of their issues with the bullpen and the hitting and everything else?
3: Yeah, no doubt. He's been big and and you could kind of see it coming before the season too, because <clears throat> just in the league in general. There are a lot of teams out there that were totally resetting their rotations. That were, I think, ten of the thirteen Big Ten teams were resetting the majority of the rotation, and Nebraska was part of that. When and Shaneman was the only holdover, and so you know, if you're talking about contending and using pitching as an asset in the league race this year, you have to have those proven commodities step up, and Shay Shannon absolutely has done that. I mean, he's, he, he took a couple starts I think early in the year to to get rolling, but you know, when his outside fastballs on then the wipeout slider comes into play he's getting strikeouts he's getting soft contact he's going deep into games all those all those things are important for a team now with a couple injuries like you mentioned to Kyle Perry Jake Buns is still out so you need that length from your starter and I think that's probably the best thing that he's done to this point but he's a senior um, technically he could come back next year because of the COVID year but this is a guy who uh, is a co-captain, somebody that, that you know, his, his teammates have looked up to, somebody who's been in this thing. One of the very few players who've actually been through a full 56-game season for Nebraska. And so, uh, you know, pitching, I think, has probably been the strength of this team to this point, and he's been a big reason why.
1: So Fridays haven't necessarily been the big issue for this team. It's been the further you get into a series, a la last week against Ohio State, the week before where you start wondering how many crooked numbers a team can really put up um, each inning. And how does this team turn that around to where you don't have the landslide on one side where you're giving up runs, but on the other, just finding a way to to get some runs you've got guys getting on base but the the timely hitting i I think the last game against um or earlier this week against creighton we're two for 15 with runners in scoring position how how does this team turn things around at the plate
3: yeah and that's the side of it i mean you know you can think of the 21 to 4 game against a&m corpus christi that was kind of a fluke i mean they'd played seven games in eight days the bullpen was totally gassed uh, you know, as, as tough as that was to watch, there's probably not a ton to read into that. It's sort of a, a circumstantial deal, but there's no doubt. I mean, the the hitting side has been what's held Nebraska back so far. And in a way, you could see some of this coming just based on the guys that they lost last year. I mean, more than 700 career starts went out the door just in the outfield with some of the name players that fans have known for years. And,
1: and, that's, just, was and, gone. and that's all and, just with Mojo Haggy.
3: Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, Luke Roskam, uh, you know, Spencer Schwellenbach. I mean, you go down the line like these were guys who are long-time contributors. And so there was bound to be a learning curve. And I think we probably underestimated just how steep that learning curve would be. Um You know, Nebraska, I think a week ago, they felt like maybe they've started to at least identify their top five guys. And we've seen those players show up in the lineup uh, in the top five recently. But you know, one of the major symptoms that's been ailing this, this offense has been clutch hitting. And you alluded to the Creighton game on Tuesday, you, just the last three games, you go the, the Michigan finale, the Creighton game, and then the opener against Ohio State. Nebraska is four for 37 with runners in scoring position. You're talking barely hitting 100. And this is when Creighton commits five errors and Ohio State commits six errors. And so guys are on the base paths, but they're not getting the clutch hit and oftentimes they're not even getting, you know, an RBI ground out or a sacrifice fly or just the kind of things that can, that can capitalize on an opponent's mistake. And so I think that's where you start is you can see, okay, they are getting guys on base, but you, you have to do something in those clutch moments. And you hear the players all the time talk about, the approach and their approach under Will Bolt and hitting coach Lance Harvell is to hunt the fastball. So you, that's what you look for first. You, you always want to be on time with the fastball. And if you're if you're locked in that way, then you're able to adjust and hit some off speed stuff because you're timed up for something quicker. And the, the players would tell you that I hope that has not always been the case. And that sometimes Max Anderson used the term hero ball. Sometimes that's, uh you know, players swinging for the fences, trying to do too much hit a home run. So it, it's an ongoing thing. I think it's it's just as much mental as it is physical for them at this point. But again, we're just barely a third of the way into the season. They have some time to work on some things, but right now it's been tough sledding for the offense.
2: I got to say, it's kind of difficult to score fewer runs than your opponent has errors, but Nebraska able to do it last night and still win as well, <laughs> five to three. Um, and you mentioned the way that the, the Huskers have tried to overcome their hitting woes. Uh, I I look through – this is something that I kind of talked about earlier in the season is like Will Bolt needs to mess with that batting order, the lineup, the the move guys in and out, change where they're at in that order. And, man, it is just – other than Max Anderson just skipping three games at the three spot, uh, everybody else has been everywhere else in the lineup. Um, Do you think he's close to figuring out where he wants this lineup to look uh, in, in terms of which guys he has in the lineup? Or, or are we still gonna see this maybe throughout the rest of the year? Well, I think Will Bolt sort of hinted to some of this last week.
3: So he said that Nebraska felt like that it has found five guys. And and ever since he said that, it's been the same five guys in the in the top of the order. You've got Bryce Matthews, you've got Cam Chick, Max Anderson, Griffin Everett, and Garrett Anglum. And and that's been consistent now for a few weeks. It's after that that you have to start mixing and matching based on handedness and matchups and things like that. And so, I mean, the the bottom three or four in the lineup has not produced a ton for Nebraska in that stretch. And, you know, a lot of that's freshmen, a lot of that's, um, you know, guys who, who haven't had a ton of college experience, but you're also in kind of a tough spot if you're the coaching staff, because you have to make these decisions between, do you fill out a lineup based on what you feel like is your stronger defensive group or do you fill one out based on who you feel like is going better with the sticks and unfortunately those those names haven't always been the same guys the way that they have been in past years so you're having to to mix and match in some different ways there um you know again it's not to say that somebody can't catch fire and and earn a permanent spot moving forward i think core jackson is a possibility there at second base especially with nebraska's uh lack of left-handed bats he's one of those few guys that I think could carve out a spot. They like Luke Sartori in center field and what he does defensively. And and he has a track record at the junior college level, at least of uh, being a speed guy and an on-base guy. So they still feel like these guys are capable of doing what they recruited them to do. Um, it's just been slow going and, and you can blame that on a lot of things, you know, being a Northern team or, or facing some tougher, uh, you know, pitchers on the other side or not having a ton of senior leadership in that regard. Um, but again, you know, there's a lot, there's still a lot of season left. I think we're, we're not really used to that, or at least I'm not because, you know, you had the pandemic here, you had a 44 game league only schedule. You kind of forget how long the season actually is. and And there's still time for these guys to come out of the slumps, but it just hasn't been super pretty so far.
2: Yeah, just the second Big Ten series uh, that the Nebraska's in the midst of right now. So yeah, like you said, plenty of season left, um, but they they've got some they've got some things to figure out. Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald joining us uh, talking baseball. Let's switch gears and, and look a little bit at football. We got one week left before the spring game, and I, I'm I'm curious. This, I'll just leave this pretty open. What are you watching for in this last week, and then and then what are you going to be paying attention to? Uh, next Saturday when we finally get to see the unveiling of uh, a little bit of the Mark Whipple offense, uh, the new guys on defense to, to fill some important spots. What are you watching for? Well, first of all, I'll, I'll say this. I was thinking this week about how strange this spring
3: has been in a couple of regards. It's, it's, it's been interesting to me because there have been certain aspects that you kind of went into the spring thinking, oh, this is going to be interesting. For example, the quarterback battle. It kind of felt like, oh, this could be, an actual competition. And it really hasn't turned out that way. I think Casey Thompson (laughs) has clearly separated himself. Uh, You know, you can just tell by the way guys talk about him, things like that, or or you have these other situations where it's like, okay, the offensive line is, is interesting to me, but two projected starters are hurt or the tight end position is interesting, but your top four guys on the depth chart are out right now. So like it's, it's been, it's been tough to sort of (laughs) take a lot away from from just the last couple of weeks, but certainly the spring game itself will be interesting because it's the first look that we're going to have had with what these guys do under Mark Whipple. And, you know, not that they're going to empty the playbook or anything close to that, but I think we'll have a a decent sense of, you know, what does the run game look like? Can they, can they be efficient in that? I don't think, you know, his, his track record would say that they're not going to, you know, pound the rock over and over, but what does it look like when they do, how efficient are they? Um, is it a between the tackles sort of operation, and then I think too the the skill position guys will be interesting. You know what what does Casey Thompson look like slinging the rock around now with a healthy thumb? that he didn't really have for half of his season last year. What does Anthony Grant look like as a <clears throat> excuse me as a running back who we haven't really seen? Um you know where it is he's he's a shake and bake type and he can make guys miss well you know let's let's see what that looks like. Um how fast is Trey Palmer? You know these are things that you hear about but well, it's it's hard to to really grasp until you see it with your own eyes. And I think defensively um You know how deep can this defense get i mean i think we have a sense for certainly at the linebacker position uh, who those who those players are but you know on the defensive line how how deep can you go once you get past ty robinson and um you know maybe nash Hutmacher, who's going to be out there some there's, there's going to be a lot of new faces how do they look um and same thing in the defensive backfield three new starters Uh, who's back there, how quick do they look, can they anticipate things? So I I think that's sort of what it is, is is we've heard a lot about a lot of different players this spring. This is our chance to kind of lay eyes on them for the first time and maybe confirm or question some of that moving forward into the offseason.
1: Last minute here with Evan Bland of the Omaha World-Herald. Now, Evan, (laughs) you alluded to it a couple times there, and I know what it does for me. How difficult does it make your job when we think to a year ago, we at least got to go to one practice at the Hawks and they had the open practice at Memorial stadium where they had a few thousand people there where you could at least see some guys go through the drills with your own eyes, see some of the quarterbacks and be able to kind of put them in their own depth chart, even with some limited viewing. Whereas this year it's all based off of what guys are saying and trying to fit all the pieces together with what guys come out and tell us in post-practice.
3: Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, it's, it's tough because, you know, and I'm sure you guys hear it from fans too, where when things don't go as, as it sounds like they might leading into something, you know, (laughs) what, what, what can you do? Like, this is what we're told. We we don't, we don't see what these guys look like. And that's not to say that I'm a trained scout or, or anything like that, but you know, you have a sense for how guys carry themselves and what they can do and that sort of thing. I think, the position that that embodies that the most to me right now is the offensive line Mm -hmm. where I can't tell you how many times we've asked Donovan Rayola or some of the old linemen, how you describe how things are different or how do you describe the the schemes that they run? And it's, it's been very sort of general in the response, you know, the standard is the standard or we want to push guys and move guys off of their spots. We're coming off
1: the line. Right.
3: Exactly. So like,
1: what does that look like? Uh, you
3: know, it's kind of the same thing, you know, where where's Kevin Williams and Hunter Anthony played as transfers. Oh, they've played all over. Well, okay. Let's let's see what it looks like when they're at tackle. Let's see what it looks like when they're moving inside to guard on the other side. And so, you know, again, you don't want to overstate what a spring game is. It's going to be a, a very basic scrimmage in a lot of ways. Certainly Nebraska is not going to want to show much of what this new offense could look like under Mark Whipple. But, you know, again, it gives you something to go off of. Uh, you, you know, you, Again, you can kind of lay eyes on guys, see how they've developed physically a little bit, who lines up where, just a lot of basic stuff that uh, you have to take the coaches and the players' word for, not that they're lying or anything like that, but it, it does add, I think, a layer to our evaluation when we can see them
2: on the field ourselves. Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald, and uh, just like you at home, just like us here, wondering what this football team will look like, <laughs> uh, and we finally get to see you next Saturday. Evan, thanks a lot for the time. Enjoy the weekend. Appreciate it, guys. There he goes, Evan Bland. Uh, yeah, he he's right about that, Caleb, and that we are we are eventually going to find out what it looks like, uh, and. And there are a lot of questions, and and I'm 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 eager, I'm sure, just like you and just like Evan, mm-hmm. um, to to get a little bit of clarity, uh, because right now, yeah, it's all talk, and man, we've we've heard talk before, and we just we just haven't seen it manifest itself. So, uh, we'll we'll dig into that a little bit more here after the break. Uh, a little bit more football talk uh, as spring game 2022 is next Saturday, uh, but we're also going to touch on basketball. Some super seniors making their decisions coming back. Uh, we'll tell you who those are and uh, what that means to those programs when we return here on the KLIN House Hour.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it every time
2: and if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars limited time only price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer single item at regular price
0: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your
3: pocket have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get a hundred
0: dollars back instantly because no matter what moves you made last year TurboTax makes them count That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes
3: only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.
0: Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. (laughs)
2: Our thanks to Evan Bland of the Omaha World-Herald just joined us in our last segment. If you missed that or anything else, you can always head over to the podcast page at klion.com. You can head to the Facebook page right now. That's right, It's going right now. It's at KLion Huskers uh, to catch up with this show or any of our uh, previous shows. Um, <clears throat> looking ahead now to you know, the Final Four tonight, we touched on that already, uh, but looking ahead to next season for both Nebraska men's and women's basketball, Caleb. Mm-hmm. You've got some experience, you've got some talent, you've got some leadership coming back in the form of both Sam Hybe on the women's side and Derek Walker on the men's side, both of them uh, exercising their uh, additional year. Uh-huh. Uh, for Derek Walker, uh, I, I think he's gone through senior night festivities twice.
1: Yes, he has.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so this will be his third trip through there. Uh, but yeah, they're they're going to come back for another season. And uh, that's a pretty exciting deal if you're uh, Amy Williams or Fred Hoiberg.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Starting with Derek Walker, um, he talked on Sports Nightly this week, said how much he wants to be a guy that when you look at who had an impact on turning this Nebraska ball program around, he wants his name to be right there. Um, and you saw what the offense looked like when they ran a lot more through through Walker. The offense looked better. Um, now, it wasn't 100% make sure he gets a touch every time down the floor, but when he's part of a, a high pick and roll and he can get the ball in space a little bit, he's so efficient. He broke a, a, a shooting percentage record that had stood in the program since the mid-70s. That's a big deal when yeah. you think about all of the quality players that have come through, and he was the most efficient scorer in the last 40, almost 50 years. Um, so it, it, what is what does he do to the program? It gives you some much-needed consistency. Fred Hoiberg hasn't had that. Um, it seems like each year has been, a, a, a in large part, a new roster. Um, and you're still going to get that this next year, still waiting on the official announcements from Latman and Trey McGowan's uh, yep. But you already know Bryce is gone. Uh, you already know a uh, walk-on. Jackson Cronin just announced this week that he's gone. Bryce McGowan's to the NBA. Trevor Lakes to the transfer portal. Um, so, Eduardo uh, Andre. And, yeah, Eduardo Andre. Um, and Keon, uh, yeah, Keon yeah, Keon Edwards went, too, went to the right. portal as well. Um, but you know you are getting... Um, Ramel Lloyd is still going to be coming in, the recruit. Blaze Keita is still going to be coming in, the recruit. So you're going to have a bunch of new faces again. But you need to have that consistency from year to year. That's something that women's basketball has had. One of those players, Sam Hybe, who's been a double-digit scorer in her first four years, she'll get a fifth year now to come back. When she was on Sports Nightly this week, she talked about how getting to the NCAA tournament really showed her what this program can get to, and it gave her a taste of it, a taste of that success, a 24-win season, and you're in the NCAA tournament, and she said her work's not finished. She wants to come back and take this team to another level, win a couple of NCAA tournament games. And with Hybe coming back, that gives you, unless someone hits the portal, your entire starting five from the end of the season. Um, now, yes, Ashley Scoggins started for a lot of the year, and um, you had Bella Cravens starting up until Alexis Markowski took that job when Cravens um, was out with an injury against Michigan the first go-around. Um, Cravens is in the portal. She's going to go find somewhere to be a starter her last year. Um, that came down uh, a week from this past Friday, um, which makes sense because you've got a six-foot-five incoming freshman who's going to play volleyball as well that it makes sense that there was just not going to be a lot of room for Bella Cravens. I would have loved that bring her off the bench and she's an impact player for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes a game. But she can go start somewhere and go get 30 minutes. That makes a lot of sense because Alexis Markowski has locked down that starting position. Um you got to be so happy if you're Amy Williams to bring back your two in state freshmen, your transfer with Jazz Shelley, your now fifth-year Sam Hybe, who's been the face of your program, and, of course, Izzy Bourne, who just seems to kind of do a little bit of everything for you. She'll go off for 20, or she'll have like two, two or four points but she went and defended someone on the wing because she can play three or four positions on the floor. Yeah. There, there, there's a lot to be excited about this team um, going forward. Both of them, really. There's always the high potential you look for on the men's side, but on the women's side, you have so much consistency. It's like they're, they're so inverse on their programs that women's basketball is just like, well, we're bringing everybody back. And that's what you get um, with Sam Hybe is that she has been such a glue position player Um, where she steps back. She's not handling the ball as much because Jazz Shelley took over that role really this year. But then in winning time, she'll go just get to the rack uh, for however tall she is. She's the shortest person that I've ever seen attack the rim um, with such reckless regard and just know that she's going to go get to the line. It's a lot of fun to watch. I'm excited for both teams this next season.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned how Sam Hybe talked about how making that Tournament this season kind of opened her eyes to the possibilities. You wonder if Derek Walker on that last, you know, that last stretch of this season for the men, if that maybe opened his eyes to to a little bit to say, "Wow, look at what happened when Trey McGowan's got back healthy and Alonzo Verge mm-hmm. kind of realized his full potential in his role with this team." Uh, obviously, Verge is not coming back, and Trey may not be coming back either. Um, and and there are a number of questions, obviously, on the men's side that there aren't on the women's, but. The fact that he saw a little bit of success, he did get a little bit of taste at the end of that. In what, I mean, most outsiders, I would probably think, and even some folks folks who do follow the program, thought was maybe a meaningless stretch of basketball. Obviously, Nebraska wasn't going to go anywhere postseason-wise unless they rattled off five straight in Indianapolis, which is (laughs) going to be a tall task. But even though those games were not going to matter in terms of the postseason aspirations maybe that gave Derek Walker enough of a reason to return. Mm-hmm. And the butterfly effect that can come from that, if his leadership helps bring Wilhelm Breedenbach along uh, and leads him to become the player that ultimately ends up getting Nebraska to the tournament. If his leadership helps, helps Blaze Keita get off to a stronger start in the Big Ten season than he otherwise would mm-hmm. without the leadership of Derek Walker. If you needed a team captain and he had left because they didn't go on that three-game stretch at the end of last season, and then you just kind of go rudderless through the first part of the next season and you don't end up being as good as you could have been and Fred Hoiberg is gone and you, you move in a different direction. The, the, the things that can happen because of this, uh, this decision by Derek Walker uh, it, you can really see how they could compound, especially if you dream a little bit Jack Mitchell style, uh, with <laughs> no, Nebraska yeah. basketball. So it's, it's really good that he is back. Um, and, and I, I don't say this enough. The fact that Derek Walker's last game with Tennessee or last uh, stretch with Tennessee involved eliminating Iowa from the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Uh, that does not get mentioned enough. I don't know that enough Nebraska basketball fans know that about Derek Walker. So he was a hero long before he hit Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> um, so.
1: what, what, you, you made a really good point when talking about what Derek Walker, not just his play on the court, can mean, because um, we saw it in that, that stretch of the last about five games, um, okay. but what this means for the future of Nebraska men's basketball, um, especially when you had, there's a lot of people that, we were wondering if Fred Hoiberg had lost the team. Um, because just things were going wrong, you were losing by 30 a couple times out, um, and if guys even wanted to come back and play, but they kept saying, we love playing for Fred, this is, um, there's things that we need to take care of, it's not the coach, it's us not doing what we need to do, um, and in Derek Walker coming back is really exemplifying that. He's putting his money where his mouth is and saying, yeah, I believe in this. I believe in Fred, and I'm coming back to play another year. And what he can do from a mentor standpoint, think about this. Ivan Udrogo, as a lot of people knew, was 17 years old out on a basketball court against grown men. Um, what would it have been if he had a year or two years behind Derek Walker to develop and obviously he would have had that had he not transferred out, but um, to allow people time to come into their own. Uh, Blaise Ketas played a couple years of juco ball, so he's had some time to develop um, where you grow a little bit out of high school. Things are a little bit different, and if, if anyone hasn't read... Um, I think our friend Jimmy Watkins has got a really good piece on on Blaise Keita uh, and everything that he went growing went through growing up. So that, that's a really good one. I'd encourage you guys to read that. Um, but you have that. You have Wilhelm who gets to go through some of that big stuff from Derek, but also he can play a little bit more outside and shoot the ball. So there's guys that you need to bring along. It can't just be you show up on campus and you go right away. You got, right. you got, you got to have a couple of those guys. You got to have someone that can come in. If it is Verge, you just wish he would have, um, like, gone directly into that late season role earlier. Would have accepted that role because that's what he did. A guy like Bryce McGowan's, that freshman who's going to come in and be able to take on a significant role immediately and improve throughout the season. But you have to have the guys. That are going to improve year over year and slowly take up more minutes um, because of their development. Derek Walker being here another year helps that out in a big way. Yeah,
2: he, it definitely does. And I think it was Brad Underwood who said after the the win over Nebraska that you have to be old and and stay old uh-huh. in this league. Get to old, win. And stay old. Right, and and. You know, we had the conversation about, well, hey, maybe the Big Ten's doing it right in conference, but they're not doing it right in terms of NCAA. But they, that's how you have to win in conference. You have to have uh, some experience. You have to have guys who've been through it. And whether Derek Walker is the centerpiece of the offense or the best player on the floor or not, uh, he, he's, getting, he's going to be able to to have the right mentality. He's going to be able to speak from a position of experience mm-hmm. where he's he's going to be on the floor quite a bit, with a a team of of guys who have not been on the floor as often, especially if Trey McGowan's does not come back, yeah, uh, because then your your starting lineup is not going to include either of the McGowan's brothers, and it's not going to include Alonzo Verge, and those three guys basically started every single game that they were healthy for. Um, so you're going to have a lot of new guys in terms of of who you're asking to play a lot of minutes, mm-hmm. shoulder a lot of the scoring and rebounding loads, uh, and and distribute the basketball as well. So to have Derek Walker back is is going to be huge in that regard. And, and that gives Fred Hoiberg a lot better chance to get this thing to work uh, in, in what could be his last season based on, you know, the way that they have to restructure the contracts and, and lower the buyout and whatnot. We know, we all know how that goes. So, so that, that is, that is a, a, a very big advantage that Fred Hoiberg will have. Plus you don't know what's going to happen with this last assistant hire either. Yeah. Um, because you, you, you may have a recruiting guy similar to Abdel Masi. I, I tend to think it's going to be something that's going to be more on floor uh, type experience. Uh, maybe it's a, a, uh, a big man uh, a guy who's got a lot of success coaching big guys uh, because you do have a Wilhelm and a Blaze Keita, uh, and then you do play in the Big Ten NCAA tournament success aside. Um uh, or you may have somebody who's going you know, to deal more with your guard play and and is going to help guys uh, develop their scoring, um, which is also going to be a necessary component of success. Um, you're gonna you're gonna be leaning on guys who've never done it before, guys who have never played college basketball before as well, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of Romel Lloyd and Denim Dawson and, and Jamarcus Lawrence. So, um, yeah, that that that's going to be an interesting brew that they're trying to concoct over there. But Derek Walker is a huge ingredient in that. Um, let's let's hit our last break here uh, and and wrap up after this with some spring football discussion uh what to watch for this last week of spring as we head towards that spring game on April 9th that's coming up here on the KLIN Husker Hour Letting all the
0: people know that I'm back to run the show Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN.
2: KLIN Husker Hour wrapping things up here on your Saturday morning. And uh, I'm glad we had enough time to talk about the USA uh, World Cup draw, Caleb. Uh, This is a perfect time to to, to (laughs) dig into that a little bit. I
1: like that draw, by the way. I I, like that draw.
2: yeah and in all seriousness they they've got a, they've got a pat at that uh, knockout stage oh, anyway yeah. uh but before let's- we
1: get to football. Uh, yeah. Some other news that happened over the course of this week, uh, Trev Alberts, Nebraska Athletic Director, announced that negotiations had come to a close uh, with JMI Sports about taking over the multimedia rights going forward. Um, so we're going to have to see where all of that goes. JMI's CEO came out and said that they hope to reengage on that deal, and he confirmed because all we had had were, were our sources who were letting us know what the dollar amounts were, uh, but the JMI CEO let us know that it was for a guaranteed $200 million up to 250 so those were all the numbers that we had, in case anyone ever doubts our sources. Um, and so they could still re-engage later, in the, in, later on in the process, but you've got until July 1 um, when those rights take over for the new year. So there is a possibility that Nebraska is still in-house for another year. Um Maybe they, they shop it back to Learfield, who they were with for 15 years, but um, as that continues to be ongoing, we'll we'll keep you up to date on that. Uh, in, in practical terms for Husker fans, no changes, um, and everyone's still going to stay exactly the same the way they are right now. Uh, those negotiations falling through doesn't change the way Sports Nightly is going to sound, doesn't change the way baseball is going to sound for the rest of this school year.
2: Right, yeah, you're, you're going to need to stay busy and break another story about that deal then. <laughs> you're the, the one that broke the JMI one right here, our own Caleb Henry. Um, yeah, so so let's get to spring football here before we wrap this thing up. Uh, I don't know that you're going to get a whole lot out of a lot of these positions. Like, obviously, the offensive line, you're missing some guys. Tight end, you're missing basically everybody. Um, offensively, Caleb, I just want them to go seven on seven. Uh, <laughs> let's, just, let's just see you throw the ball around and, and play catch. Yeah. I want to see uh, how, how the receivers do. Give me a little bit of Latrell Neville and Isaiah Garcia Castaneda and uh, Sean Hardy, Victor. Like I want to see the young guys. Trey Palmer out of the slot. Give me Brody Belt all everywhere. Um, let's, just, let's just throw the ball around. You're not going to get anything out of that run game, even though you're probably going to see like 75% snaps just running into a makeshift offensive line on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. Give me seven on seven. That's what I want to see.
1: <laughs> well, last year we had that thud tackling in the first half. Remember that? Um, right. and then in the second half you had, um, a lot more of your backups and your reserves going, and we really fell in love with Jack Yant. Um, but then he yeah. came into fall camp overweight and we didn't see him for half the season. Uh, so there, there's just, and then he was running
2: in the wrong direction and,
1: and he fell yeah, down and then falling he, down. he was in yeah. the doghouse for a while um, so there's, there's a lot to, f- there is so much for us to want to know <laughs> about the fall that we just don't get out of the spring. And there are yeah. some folks that are frustrated with it. They're frustrated with the articles and the columns saying, this is what's going on. I completely get that, uh, because we don't get to see the practices, um, to give better reporting on the spring game is such a crap shoot. Like, like that's what it is when, when you hear uh, offensive coordinator Mark Whipple talk about it this week. He said their biggest goal for the spring game, come out healthy. I mean, that that should be one of your goals, absolutely, um, but if the spring game actually meant something other than getting in front of your crowd, it should mean I want to make some decisions on some positions. I want to see the guys compete in in a game-like atmosphere in front of the crowd. Because I yeah. don't care what you can do at the Hawks Center. I don't care what you can do at the new $150 million facility that you've got built. It's different in front of people. It would be different if there were reporters and writers at the practices because there's different people watching. It's going to be different next Saturday in front of the crowd at Memorial Stadium. How guys perform there i think really does matter going forward i want to hear the coaches say that because all they really say is that (laughs) we just want to get out of this healthy that's a load that's a load of bull when i hear that
2: right they 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 may not want to admit it but i think if you've been around college football as long as guys like mark whipple especially have it's that you do know you do see that some guys perform either worse or sometimes better Mm -hmm. when there's a big crowd when it's a real game situation. like those types of situations do show you something different that you don't get out of a practice environment. So that part of it's valuable. And I, I, I hope that the coaches do recognize some of that uh, and, and maybe some players, you know, either further confirm their, their status on the depth chart. Maybe some guys uh, give themselves a little bit of a boost going into the summer conditioning and then into fall camp that they otherwise wouldn't have had. So th- those types of things I think are important and and I'm excited to see what- whatever we can see. And-, and, you know, we'll see a little bit of who they think is is lining up first. You know, a little bit of the starting lineup gives us a little bit of a taste of who they think is in position. Uh, but all that is still going to be in flux. And just just give me some seven on seven. I want to see these <laughs> yeah. receivers. All right. A little, bit- a little running back out of the backfield. Give me some of that.
1: Husker softball still at home the rest of this weekend. They run-ruled Rutgers yesterday. They'll play today and tomorrow out at Boland Stadium. Um, Check them out. They're already over 20 wins on the year. And then Husker baseball today at 2 and tomorrow at noon at Ohio State.
2: Yes, sir. The
1: Huskers are going to try to get a series win. They got
2: Friday last week against Michigan. Couldn't get the series, so they're going to try to do that out in Columbus. That's it for us. Thanks for tuning in.